I'm Lee Ellis and this is Poppin' Packs, the segment where I bust open an old pack of NBA cards with a former player. Today's guest is former Mavericks point guard Derek Harper. Harp talks about some of his battles with some of the best trash talkers in the NBA like Gary Payton and Vernon Maxwell, his friendship with current Indiana Pacers head coach Nate McMillan, and how Harp knew that Dale Ellis was going to be a star before anyone else in the league. This is Poppin' Packs. Waiting for Harp. Waiting for Harp. Waiting for Harp. He's connecting, and there he is. Hey. Derek Harper, welcome to the No Dunk Instagram account, Poppin' Packs. How are you feeling about the Mavs heading into the playoffs? Excited. Uh, It's the first time since 2016. So I think that kind of breeds excitement. Um, They're a very good team, as you know. Offensively, they uh, set a new record for offensive rating, which I think is fantastic. You think about what the NBA has become. It's not a back-to-the-basket, post-up guys. The physicality is different, even though the Clippers, who the Mavericks are going to face, they play a very physical style. So I'm excited. I think the team is excited. They're well coached. They share the basketball. They're a fantastic basketball team. And I think have a chance because they, they are so efficient on the offensive end of the floor. You're pretty familiar with a uh, European-born player in Dallas. He, yes. he was okay. He was okay for a few years. He won a championship. And now you've got another European-born yes. player. Um, I mean, did you expect, you know, when you first heard about Luca that he'd be this good in his second season? You know, Ali, if anybody told you that they knew that or they expected <laughs> that, they're telling you a lie because I don't <laughs> think anybody expected this kid to be what he is. All, with that being said, I'll say this. I don't care what level it is, but when you've played professional basketball since you were 14 at a very young age, there are certain things that you're going to be better at than, say, a guy that's in high school, learning from high school, going to college, things of that nature. I mean, Luca, you can tell. He's like an old man as a basketball player, and he's very fortunate that he has the size, he has the IQ. The guy is just – nobody does it the way he does it. And – I don't think anybody dominates the game right now like he does. He makes it look so easy. I mean, I, I said the other day that we have Luca wrong. Everybody says he's from Slovenia. I, I think Luca is from Mars. <laughs> the way he uh, the way he does things out on the floor. It's just it's like taking candy from a little baby, man. To be quite yeah, with yeah, yeah. You, you said that no one could have predicted how good he was going to be. I bet Mark Cuban maybe is somewhere off saying, "I knew, I knew." That's why I traded yeah, for him. <laughs> I, I mean, not, not even Mark. More Donnie. Yeah. Than Mark, you know, Donnie is the GM, and Donnie has always been great at finding euros that can actually play. Uh, Valachunas, not Valachunas. Uh, Played with the Golden State Warriors. Marcelona. Marcelona. There you go. He was a, he was a, uh, he had a hand in drafting him, and he turned out to be an All Star. So they have a good eye, a unique eye. They uh, they go ab- abroad, not afraid of the Euros, and I, you have to give the late David Stern a lot of credit for making this game European, and that's why we're finding so much talent from overseas. Right. Well, um, what we do today anyway, Harp, is uh, I have a pack of basketball cards from the 91-92 season. Okay. I'm going to open them up. And yes. uh, you obviously played in that era. And, uh, and hopefully you can tell us a few stories about the guys you've played with or against. We'll see what's in the cards. All right. Sounds okay. good. I'll, I'll just show you. Here they are here. They're upper decks, okay? 91-92. No upper so, deck. Was that your yeah. first season in New York, 91-92? Uh, yes. 
got traded there in February of that year. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Well, it's a good one, the first one up, because you battled against this guy in the 94 finals. Uh, mm -hmm. He played for the Houston Rockets. He was only there for their first championship season. He got traded in their second championship season. Okay. Bit of a uh, bit of a scorer, bit of a, uh, a guy who could light it up every now and again. And um, had a great nickname. Also played for the San Antonio Spurs. But I most remember him as a Houston Rocket, number 11. Shooting guard Vernon point Maxwell. guard. Yeah. Vernon Maxwell. There he is. That's my guy. <laughs> That's my guy. Um, he's a Florida guy. I'm a Florida guy. So we have that respect thing in common with each other. Um, Vernon is a competitor is what I remember about him. He talks more. I don't know if I can say shit on here Lee, or not, but <laughs> let it fly. Derek Vernon let it fly, talks man. more shit than any. <laughs> he talks more shit than I do. <laughs> and that's hard to do. Um, but we've competed against each other a lot. Uh, he thinks he's the best player out of Florida from the backcourt. <laughs> I think that I am. And um, I love the guy plain and simple. I've had a lot of fun with Vernon. He's my guy. Who, who talked more shit in the 94 finals than you or him when you're going up against each other? You know what? It had to be me because we were supposed to win that series. Yeah, right. And when you come in second, you, all you do is talk shit. What if, <laughs> what if I had done this? What if this had happened? Things would be different. But a great competitor, uh, Vernon, one of the few people as a player, as a two guard in the NBA, is one of the few people that actually scored 50 or more points in a game. Yep. Uh, just a terrific basketball player all around and a fun guy. Yeah. Okay, this next guy was um, a New York Nick. Um, I guess you probably did play with him, uh, but he didn't have a super long career, but he had a really big moment in the slam dunk contest in 1989. Okay. He won it. And uh, he's got a great nickname, but uh, yeah, his career didn't quite... Uh, he didn't have a super long career. You're talking Kentucky's... Kenny, hey, Kenny Skywalker, right? Yeah, Skywalker, there he is, yeah. There you go. Ah, man, didn't play, didn't, you know, when you don't play the same position as guys, even though you pay attention to them, you pay attention to their game, I don't think he got, he, he didn't reach his full potential as a player. I thought he had the, the body type, the athleticism, to be better than his career turned out. It was cut short, obviously, but, um, you know, to be one of the 400-plus players as a professional, clearly you're pretty darn good. And I just think he could have been better as a player with yeah. the athleticism that he had. Yeah, it, it, it's, I always think it's tough when guys, you know, start their career in New York City or somewhere as well. I think, uh, you know, you just get so much attention and yes, so much focus. You know, it, it's harder. You, you, you know, it's harder that just is to. So true. Yeah. Okay. This next guy was uh, a shooting guard, um, more a shooting guard than a point guard. He spent most of his career with the Phoenix Suns. He got traded to Philadelphia, and then he went to Utah. He played on the Jazz in those last two um, seasons where they made the finals against the Chicago Bulls. Former coach of the Knicks, former coach of the Suns, and um, had a free throw had a free throw routine where he went like this every time he shot a free throw. Dolly, you're talking, jeez, uh, Jeff Hornacek. Jeff Hornacek, there you go. Yeah, man, that's my guy, too. <laughs> man, Horny, between he and Stock, man, these were probably two of the grittiest players that I ever played against, Lee. Uh, just complimented each other extremely well. Could Horny could shoot the cover off of it. Um, didn't miss open shots. 
and very clever, just a very nifty basketball player. Everybody can't be athletic, you know, and run and jump and all that stuff. No point intended, but Jeff was a very, he was a very cunning player and a very tough player to play against. He competed every single night. I have a lot of respect for him. Um, I hear he's coaching high school basketball, which tells you that he's, he's a, uh, He's a he's a basketball lifer, is yeah. what I'll say, Lee. Yeah, he he um he did a great job there in Phoenix in his first season as head yes. coach, and then you know Absolutely. sort of they just missed the playoffs. I think in fact they yeah. lost to the Mavericks yes. on the last game of the season. Well, um, you have to you and, and coaching in the league, you have to win. I mean, if you don't win, then yeah. your job is up for grabs every single season. Yeah, and it's just a tough way to uh, to to live. When, when you don't have the talent. It, yeah. I mean, everybody wants to coach. They think they do until you get the opportunity and you find out that it's more than a coach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, this next guy was, um, I think he was a, like the number one pick in like 77 or 78. He turned out to have a, a pretty good career, but I would say his son, who currently plays, is having a better career than, than, than his dad did. Um, his dad played on those Lakers teams that you battled in the late 80s too. Yeah, and he's coming good. off the bench. He was the um, he was like a backup center who then became yeah, yeah. the um, full time center when Kareem you're talking, retired. Clay, you're talking Clay. Yeah, yeah, Clay Thompson. Um, golly, what what do you say about Clay? Uh, you're talking Michael, not not the son. Um, let me let me think. Uh, Michael Thompson. He's a Big Ten guy. I know he went to Minnesota. I want to give him his due respect because he was a tremendous help to the Lakers being champions. Back to back to back. Uh, very intelligent basketball player. Had a, had a great IQ. Um, could shoot the basketball. He was one of the first bigs that actually spreaded the floor and stretched the floor a little bit, Michael Thompson did. And then he had an uncanny ability to play with his back to the basket. So I think when you have those two skills as an offensive player, surely your contribution is going to be unique and much needed. And yeah. I think about the Lakers winning championships. He certainly comes to the forefront because he made some timely plays for that Laker team. Yeah. I, uh, I remember that series, obviously, in 88 was probably yes. the, um, you know, that was an incredible series there. You guys, I mean, if that, if that home court advantage is yours, I think you probably win that series. Um, I would because, agree. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. I, you know, I, I thought we would win the series because we were so confident. Yeah. As a group, there was never a moment where we wavered from thinking that we could beat the Lakers. Yeah. But it's one thing to think it. It's another thing to do it. Right? Yeah. We were not able to get over the hump. And I, I, I don't have any ill feelings about it because I played against some Hall of Fame players when I start thinking about that Laker team that, that was a nemesis yeah. for, for us, more or less. You know, Magic, Kareem, Worthy, all those guys are in the hang of Hall of Fame. So... No love lost. Yeah. We, we gave it all we had. I tell you what, though, the uh, that that re, you know the reunion rowdies there, like that was a nothing like know, that was as tough a place. Yeah, nothing like it. It was a huge six man for us. Um, I just wish we could have taken advantage of it more, man. You know, you yeah. look back yeah. at, at, yeah. at your career in different moments in your career, and those people were good enough. They deserved the championship. The the rowdies did. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess they. Um, well, what do you call the American Airlines? Just the MFFLs, I guess. The new fans are there at the, the uh, new American fans, Airlines. The fans for life. 
Yeah, yeah. They're Mass yeah. Fans for Life. That's what MFFL yeah. stands for. And um, do you look at do you look at the you know like the Lakers and the Pistons series? Obviously, the Lakers won it in the end, but you know when you look at the Pistons, they hadn't won the championship at that point. Yes. Did you? feel you were a good matchup for them and, uh, and and everything like that. I mean, obviously, you, you feel confident you could beat them, but, you know, matchups and, it would, it, and everything. It would have been, they were tough is what they were. They played with a crazy tenacity. The rules were different back in the 80s. And they had bodies, Lambeer. They had some, some uh, what, how do I put it nicely? They had some tough-minded <laughs> guys is the way I would word it. They had yeah. some very tough-minded players, Lambeer. Yeah, a guy that you want to go down an alley with, uh, Dennis Rodman, Rick Mahorn, John yeah. Sally. I mean, all those guys. Yeah, you knew when you saw them, they were going to leave it out there, and they <laughs> were big guys. You know, little guys. I tell people now, like these guys going to the rim and getting easy baskets. Now in the NBA, there's no damn way that would have happened back in the day. They would have been yeah. shooting free throws. Yeah. picking themselves off the floor because it was a different style of basketball back then. And yeah. the Pistons were tough. I, I, I'm not going to say we couldn't have beat them. Yeah. But we would have had to play our best to uh, to win against Detroit. I, great backcourt, great coach in yeah. Chuck Daly. So, you know, you, you fight fire with fire, and that's what we would have had to do. I had James Worthy on here a few weeks ago, and we were talking okay. about the Lakers and the Celtics rivalries. And you remember yeah. that that play where um, Kevin McHale basically takes Kurt Rambis's head off? Yeah. I remember it like like it was yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, it's something that you won't ever forget. If you ever saw it or played around that era, you don't forget that kind of stuff. And it, it, that could have turned into an all-out brawl. Yeah. Because if somebody takes you out of the air like that, yeah. Personally, I want to fight. That, that's just, it's just that simple. I'm going to fight. Nobody's going to take me out of the air like that and me not get up and hit somebody. I mean, yeah, that, that was one of the all-time, <laughs> that and Larry Bird and, and, and uh, Julius Irving yes. fighting in a game were some yes. of the craziest <laughs> highlights I've ever seen in my, my career. I'm not the sure. funny thing about that Kevin McHale one is I think he only got a normal foul, just a personal yeah, foul. Yeah. It was, go shoot two free throws, yeah. right? And, <laughs> and him, him and Larry throws. Bird thought Kurt Rambis yeah. was flopping. <laughs> yes, but then you always knew there would be a retaliation. Yeah. It would happen. Somebody else would do the same freaking thing yeah. to, to the opposite team. That, that was just the way it went, you know? Yeah, well, is that also that play where Bill uh, Robert Parrish just lays punches onto Bill Lane Beer? Oh yeah, and he doesn't I even remember. get a foul on that one. Listen, you don't you didn't want to mess with the chief. <laughs> first of all, you you didn't want to mess with Robert Par uh, Robert Parrish. He was one of the biggest guys in the league. Yeah, and every big in the league knew that. You know what yeah. I mean? They knew not to mess with fucking uh, the chief because he was a tough, hard nosed guy. Oh, uh, yeah, and. Um, they have. I've seen this those those, uh, those rerun plays that you're speaking of right now. Yeah. On online, on Twitter, and things like that. Yeah. And it always just brings back <laughs> crazy memories because of how the game is played now. Now yeah. you have guys that we're speaking of right now. You're talking about Bill Ambeer. You're talking and Bill could have could have played in this era. Could be era. Yeah. Because he could shoot the ball. But you know, you start talking about the Chief, Robert Parrish. Uh, James Worthy and all yeah. these different people, those Kurt Rambis, those guys couldn't play in this era because they couldn't shoot the ball from the <laughs> perimeter. I mean, it shows you how much the game has revolved. You know what I mean? It, it's so different 
at this juncture, and I think out of the guys that we're speaking of, the only one that could have could have made a living right now is is, is your guy Bill Lambeer because yeah. he could actually shoot the ball from the perimeter. So, go figure. Yeah, it's crazy because he was one of the first guys who really stretched it out. I remember in uh, yeah. game two of the '90 finals, he hit six three pointers. I think it was a yeah, record at the time. Go. You know, you and uh, they they end up losing that game actually. But uh, yeah, I mean the big guy to be very you know, uncommon. Very yeah, uncommon. very yeah. uncommon. Yeah. Okay, this this next guy, I'm sure you had some good battles with. I'm pretty sure he played his entire career with one team, the Seattle Supersonics. He went on to coach the Sonics. He went on to coach the Blazers, and he's currently coaching the Indiana Pacers right now. Nate McMillan, that's yeah. my guy. Nate, um, wow. Uh, th- let me count the ways on how much I respect Nate McMillan. Um, not surprised that he's a coach because he had a coach's mentality as a player and we're in i had a lot of success against nate mcmillan i have a lot of respect for him as well if that makes sense um if you talk to nate he would shake his head and just fucking probably just laugh because <laughs> again i talked so much shit to him and gary Payton, man back in the days man. <laughs> That they they probably feel the same way about me. I, I I don't know if Nate had as much success as Gary did, but I, I I had a lot of success against he and Gary Payton, and I think Nate, if Gary was the best player on that team, he and Dale Ellis, Nate was the most important player on that right. team. Right. Because he had to deal with those motherfucking guys, and I know <laughs> I know Dale very well, and I know Gary very well, and I know those two guys. They're a handful. To, uh, to play with, to compete against. Um, I love Nate McMillan, is all I can say. And he's yeah. done a fantastic job as a head coach. And like I said, he, he's a student of the game. And, you know, being a coach and a player, I think it speaks for itself. Yeah, I, 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 you know, talking about guys talking trash, I think Gary Payton was talking trash coming out of the womb. He was, oh, yeah, yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt about it, Gary. And, and talks good shit, too, you know yeah. what I mean? And, you know, if you talk as much shit as Gary talked, Lee, you better be able to back it up. Yeah, oh, yeah. For him, he was able to back it up. So, yeah. you know, it flies a little different when you can back it up. Yeah. Okay, this next guy... Um, Shooting guard uh, guy, spent most of his career with the Milwaukee Bucks, and then he ended up with the San Antonio Spurs. Good shooter, never an all-star. Good defensive player as well. Um, His son was playing for the Boston Celtics a few years ago, but he's not in the league anymore, I don't think. Um, But just a good, reliable, consistent guy. And uh, out of... He played most of his career... He played most of his career where? Milwaukee. With the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah. I should know this one. Uh, he went shit. to Tulsa. I got it. Um, not Frazier. Uh, shucks. You're drawing a blank. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. I know Terry Teague. No, no not Terry Teague. He's got a, an alliteration in his name. Paul Pressy. Paul Pressy. God, yeah. yeah, that's my guy, Press. <laughs> uh, yeah, Press. <laughs> Golly. Changed the game in his own way, Lee. Um, you know, they have that point. The big point guard, uh, point press, point three, three, you know, whatever they call it. Yeah. Uh, Don Nelson is the orig- originator of the big point guard, uh, the, the Paul Pressey type point guard. And um, shucks, press played that role, Lee, if you would, as well as anybody. Not a great shooter, 
Shocked that he was never an all-star is what I am because he had the game and the production as a player where I think he could have possibly been. Right. Um, I've gone a little darkly. Does that Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. You're okay. fine. It's good. Yeah. I, um, I have a lot of respect for him because he was, you know, they talk about two-way players now. Yep. And he was probably one of the, the best way players in our era. And the guy that, that he's an originator. He, he started that. He's a positionless right. player that played a lot of positions very well. I have a lot, a lot of respect for a guy like, uh, like Paul Pressey. I see him from time to time. You know, he was coaching for a while with the Lakers. Um, right. And I, I'm very fond of, of Paul Pierce. I mean, is, Paul Pressey. Thank you, is he, is he a Texas guy then as, as well? Is he? I think he is from, from well, he may be from Oklahoma. I think he is out uh, on the outskirts of right. Texas somewhere. Right. I think you're right. You might have heard that. I, I know okay. he, uh, he, he, he talks about living in this area right now. Right, right. Okay, this next guy, um, you played with him. For the with the New York Knicks, um, he also spent mo well. He spent his early career with the uh, LA Clippers. There's a big power forward out of Pittsburgh, and uh, good Charles, scorer. Charles, good sc Charles Charles Smith. Charles Smith. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Charles Smithy. Uh, shucks. I mean, had an injury after the Clippers, but right. as Clipper, as a Clipper, he was uh, he was one of the most talented offensive players in the league and I hate to compare him to Kenny Walker but I think Charles left a little bit on the table I think Charles Smith was a better could have been a better player than he was able to show right and um, could flat score the basketball very intelligent human being good human being great family guy um, I love him to death I love him to death Charles was my guy when I was on on that Nick team, we uh, yep. we got along. We did a lot of uh, dinners together. Um, just really like. I'm very fond of Charles Smith. Just yeah. really fond of him. Just the way he carried himself as a professional all the time, and uh, just an intelligent basketball player that could have been, could have better stats. You know, right. Because he had some years, but his numbers could have been a lot better to me as a player. Right. Right. Yeah, he, uh, I, I remember him on those Clippers teams because they weren't very good at the, you know, in the late 80s there, and he seemed to be yeah. able to put up decent numbers. So yes, good to see him go to the Knicks um, you know, and, and, nearly, and nearly get a championship there. So uh, it's always good when you see a guy who's you yes. know, toiling hard and talented and gets a chance on a better team. Yeah, he definitely had his opportunities. Okay, this next guy, you actually, uh, we talked about him. This was a sharpshooter. I think he started his career with the Dallas Mavericks, actually, and got traded to Seattle. And became an all-star in Seattle. Yeah. Only a one-time all-star. One of my best friends. Yeah, oh, Del yeah? Ellis, yeah, we, we, got, we came into Dallas the same year. Oh, right. We, we got drafted here. He was the fourth pick. I was the 11th pick. And Dale and I just became friends automatically because we were in the same class. I talked all the time. He never talked. <laughs> um... <laughs> Dale was, to me, one of the most underrated players. And I think people do appreciate it now that it's all said and done. But you hear the mentality killer. 
Dell was a killer. He was a solemn assassin that could play inside, outside. People forget that how good Dell was with his back to the basket when he was at Tennessee, how he could knock down that little short baseline jump shot with ease, um, so smooth, so unassuming. A lot of people talk about being tough. Dell was tough without talking about being tough. Right. And a guy that, I mean, I dearly love him because we have shared so many moments. Um, if I had to say who my best friend was while I was in the NBA, it was Dale Ellis. Wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah, big time, big time. So was he traded kind of because you had Rolando Blackman? Uh, maybe so. He, you know, he demanded to be on the floor, Lee. Yeah. He, he was that talented. And I'll tell you a real quick story. Um, yeah, please. We were on the second team together, myself, Dale Ellis, Elston Turner, Jay Vincent, and Bill Gar uh, Kurt Nifteus, if you would. And we used to beat the first team in practice every fucking single day. <laughs> and you can, you can blast that anywhere. We own our fucking starting five. You hear what I'm saying, Lee? Yeah. <laughs> I can't make it up. And you can ask any of them, is it true? We own them. And a big reason why we were, be, why we did, was because they couldn't do anything with Dale Ellis. Right. Could not stop him. He was that good. And he played against Mark Aguirre and, you know, Rolando Blackman, to, to your point, a few seconds yep. ago, Lee. And, man, Dale was the big reason, man. This dude could hold his own against anybody in the league. And he proved it after going to Seattle and becoming yeah. an all-star and a three-point champion himself. So when he got traded, I mean, you probably weren't surprised that he grew into that superstar No, player. I wasn't surprised. I don't yeah. think anybody was. I, in fact, I think he he did better than I thought he would do. I thought he would do well, but I didn't yeah. think he would turn out to be an all-star you know, caliber. I, I saw your, uh, retirement, your retirement speech the other day, and, you, and Dick Motta was there, and you said that Dick Motta was really hard on you because Mark yes. and Rolando couldn't handle it. <laughs> Well, I, I, I wouldn't say that they couldn't handle it, but it would have affected them a lot more in a, right. in, than, it would, than it affected me because, I mean, Dick didn't bother me because right. I know he had my best interests at heart. Yeah. Um, he was trying to grow me. I was different. I was a uh, – I was – I thought I was better than I was at the time, you know, and yeah. I thought I was the best player. When I got drafted by Dallas – Yeah. I thought I was the best guard they had. I'm, I thought, plain and simple, like, shit, I'm better than these cats, plain and simple. And, you know, when you're that cocky, you have to be humbled. And Coach Mata was kind of the, the first coach that humbled me and put me in place. Yeah. But I know he respected me and appreciated what I brought to the table as a player. And I, I love that guy. I, I truly right. love Rick Mata. Okay, this next guy, I think he was actually drafted in your same year as well in 83. He spent, um, I remember him mainly on, on the Utah Jazz. He also played the Sacramento Kings, and I think he actually picked up definitely one championship with the Chicago Bulls, maybe two. He was a, you know, end-of-the-bench type of player, um, a sort of shooting guard guy out of uh, Iowa. You are talking, golly, I should know this. Yeah, I think he was in your same draft. I mean, I, I'm not 100% sure of that. He was a big sort of shooting guard, 6'6". Six, six, um, and he went to Iowa? Iowa, yeah. 
jazz went to Sacramento and then Chicago at the end. But but you know you I remember him on those uh, jazz teams oh, really in the, boy, in the sort of mid to late eighties. My boy Bobby Hansen. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's my guy. He's <laughs> in my class. I love Bob Hanson. Yeah, just because I know him from the day. Tough competitor, man. Bobby, would, he was a feisty little guy, even yeah. at Iowa. I knew he yeah. would be around for a while because he didn't back down. Um, he was a competitor. Could shoot yep. it. You left him open, he would knock it down on you. Um, but more, more than anything, Bobby was a competitor. You know right. what I mean? He, he was a feisty little player that played with an edge, that played with fire, and um, much respect to Bobby Hansen. Much he, respect. Uh, I, he's a guy. I like the guy. He's a cool guy. He, um, I mean, he, you know, to play with Frank Layden on those jazz teams yeah. you know, next to John Stockton, like, you, you're not, yes. you're not, if you can't defend and you can't shoot, you're not on the yes. court. So, yes. Yeah. He, he did both. And I yeah. have a lot of respect for Bobby. Okay, this next guy, I'm pretty sure you played with him in Dallas and New York, but it's not Rolando Blackman. This guy's a more a big guy who was a kind Herb of Williams. undersized center, but he Herb, was a power forward Herb slash center. Herb Williams. Big Herb, there he is. My main man, Big Herb. <laughs> um, hey, Herb was smooth before Sam Pers Perkins was, was big smooth. Right. Um, student of the game smart as Einstein. Right. Um, very versatile as a human being. Great heart, um, leader. God, I, 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 just, I love her. I keep saying yeah. I love these guys that I really do. When I, when I think about these guys, it just brings back some of my greatest memories ah, yeah. as a professional. And I played against her when he was at Ohio State as well. Right. When I was at Illinois, and there's always been a mutual respect. And I saw Herb this year, and I, when I see him, he's the kind of guy you don't want to leave. You right. Know? <laughs> you don't want to say bye to Herb Williams because right. you're always getting something. You're always yeah. getting some knowledge from him. You always got, I'll never forget flying from Miami to Seattle. You can imagine, Lee, how long that trip was. Right. And we sat on back of the dam on the back of the trip flight man and talked about race and life marriage i mean right. we talked about so much man until man every time i see her i i i want to see him i want to sit down and i want to talk to him because i know he's going to give me something positive something to hold on to and to uh to keep me moving through through my journey, man. Yeah. Herb is a is a, br a brilliant man, brilliant it's guy. Great. It's great when you know I, when I uh, have guests on here and they tell me about stories of guys you might have played with twenty or thirty years ago, but the friendships yeah. the friendships are yeah. still there. You don't see guys every you know every and sometimes it goes a few years, but you pick up yes. where you left off. Very much, very you know. much. And Herb is, you, I, I won't ever forget Herb Williams. So as long as I'm on on Earth, I will never, and I won't forget any of these guys. But Herb has. A, <laughs> Herb has a special place in my heart because right. he's so uh, he's uh, he's selfless. Is right. what Herb Williams is. He's a selfless human being. Okay, we've got two left here now. This guy, um, you should know this guy because uh, he was the number one pick in your draft. I'm pretty sure, and uh, he really threatened to have a really dominant career, but injuries got to him, and uh, and it sort of Man, got boy, cut short. Big boy. Big boy. <laughs> yeah. Big boy. yeah. Ralph. 
Ralph Sampson. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry. I was thinking Boo. Yeah, Ralph did get Sam Bowie got drafted in Michael Jordan's class. Yeah. So I, I was wrong on that. My yeah. my apologies. Um, That's all right. Wow, Ralph Sampson. I I have to use the same the same thing. Should have gotten more out of his career. Yeah. I don't know if that's his last card, but if you yeah. turn that card around, Lee, I would really be curious to what his numbers are on that card. Yeah. So Sacramento, he ended up averaging just three points a game. Injuries and... depleted his career, but yeah. I thought Ralph had more talent than than he than he gave us. I, yeah. thought, I thought he could have reached a higher potential. Was always recognized as one of the all-time great big guys he was the first of the big guys Lee, if you would out of virginia he's from that dc maryland area yeah. i played against ralph in high school all american tournaments things of that nature five star I've, I've been around him a lot and always thought that he was going to be a superstar type player and to your point earlier injuries kind of depleted things for him and he never rebounded from that and if you look at the lower part of his numbers yeah I mean, this guy was way better than that. He, yeah. he was a lot better than what his numbers actually equals out to. I, um, I, I just imagine the, you know, mid-'80s there when it was him and Akeem Olajuwon. Like, I mean, if Twin those... Towers. Yeah. Twin Towers. That was I mean, the first of the Twin Towers. And yeah. look what Olajuwon became. Yeah. And I think people would have turned it around because Olajuwon came out of nowhere. You know, he had that big college game against Patrick Ewan in Colorado yeah. where he had the oxygen mask up to his face trying to <laughs> breathe and that put him on the map and I think that particular year or the I think he came in the same year that I did too didn't he Elijah Wong? No he was the next year because remember the, the Rockets year. the Rockets kind of tanked to get the number one pick two That's years exactly in a row. right he was the next year I know it was close I yeah. remember being close Yeah but long story short Elijah Wong turned out to be the better of the two by far, and I yeah. don't think going into that draft, that's what people anticipated. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, because Bowie was in that draft, of course. He yes. went number two. Yes, I remember um, it now that you say it. Yes. Yeah, and, and then obviously Michael at three. But, uh, you know, the Rockets, you know, they don't get too much crap over that because Elijah one's yeah. a Hall of Famer, you know, one of the greatest yes. we've ever seen. Yes. So <laughs> that one's okay. And Bowie, Bowie's career was okay, but obviously not what they no, were uh, didn't reach for. it. Yeah, the injuries injury, as well. Yeah. That's the one thing that can, can, can stop it. That, yeah. that can stop greatness or potential to be great is, yeah. is injuries and clearly did in that case, right? Okay, well, I've got one last card here, Harp, and it's a All very right. interesting one because I recognize this guy always used to wear number 12 for his career, but in this one particular card, for some reason, it looks like he's wearing number 25. And I was wondering if you could shed some light on it because it's you. I have on number 25 because yeah. my jersey um, was left somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have my jersey, so I had to pick a number, and I picked 25 for whatever right. Right. reason. I remember that. Um, and if you notice, there's not a name on the yeah. back of the jersey. Um, yeah, just one of those fluke things. See, it's not like it used to be. Maybe there was two jerseys packed. Right. Back in the day, you know, there wasn't all this yeah. This this fancy living back in, in, in my era. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they only had one or two jerseys and somehow it got left uh 
somewhere else. And I had to pick it's, another. Uh, it's crazy to me that, like, I guess this you probably only wore this for one game, and this is the one yes. they use for your card. Like, what are the yes. chances of that, you know? Yeah, not very slim to none, wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah, because yeah. so when, when I found it, I was like, it, it looks like it's been photoshopped or something because, right. Um, right. you know, because you were number 12 and it's like, but the name's yeah. not there. Like, yeah, what's that going was on a there? Fluke. That was a genuine fluke. Yeah. Well, Harp, this, is, this has been awesome, man. I've got, my, yes. uh, I've got my Rolando Blackman shirt on here. There you go. That's what's up. That's my yeah. man. I played in the backcourt with that guy. You're talking about one of the best competitors and the best backcourt mates I've ever had, Rolando Blackman. I would, yeah. If I had to do it all over again, Lee, I would, I would want to be in the backcourt with Rowe yeah. for seven, eight years and compete against anybody. There was a time where we felt like we were the best backcourt in the NBA and proved it night in and night out going up against the uh, Western Conference guards, which were all-star caliber guards. So Rowe is my guy forever. Yeah. He's a, that's my guy for, for life. It's, uh, so, so just a quick story on me. The first game yes. of NBA basketball I ever saw was the uh, 1987 All-Star Game, yeah. which, is, which is the one where Roe hits the two free throws and sends it to overtime. You know, like that's, from that moment, I was like 12 years old and I was like, this is the greatest game in the world. See, you know? That's how I know Roe. That's how I know him because we trained together during the off-season yeah. every single day. Right. He'd take us through drills and all he talked about was when we were shooting five and six and 700 shots, is that his, his message is the only way to know you're going to make free throws and know you're going to make open shots is to make it automatic by yeah. practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing. And we practiced like it was a game yeah. all the time. And I picked up that, that work ethic from Rolando Blackman and Brian right. Davis. So I owe a lot to those guys, man. This was I, fun uh, to do. I was in Dallas a few years ago doing a feature with Rowan. He was taking shots wearing his like pants and a shirt and a tie, and he was knocking them in. He knocked in like six or eight in a row. Then still on the court. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean he's crazy. He's, he's crazy. I I know what you mean when you say he had on a tie, not a yeah. t-shirt. Yeah, he wanted to go straight professional on you. You know what I mean? That's just who Rowan is, man. Rowan is from Panama, and I don't know a lot of Panamanians. Right. He, he is so real and serious. Yeah. Roe was the best of the rest. I was a college All-American, high school All-American, not Rolando yeah. Blackman. You see what I mean? He was always yeah. the best of the rest. So he has a chip on his shoulder. Right. He feels like he's got to outwork every single human being in the world. Yeah. And that's just his approach. I love that, that guy as well. But that work pays off in the biggest moment, you know, one oh, of the biggest does. moments it of did. his life. You know? He's living proof, Lee. He's yeah. living proof. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Hey, this was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, man. I love hearing all these old stories and, uh, and hearing you reminisce about the times. And uh, it's been great. And, and listen, all the best uh, for the playoffs going forward Appreciate for the Mavs. Um, I think and, we're and, ready. We don't have anything to lose. Everything yeah. to get. Exactly. Even win, lose, or draw, it, it's not going to do anything but mold Luca and KP yep. and the rest of those guys for future wins, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's exciting times again in Dallas. Uh, you know, I don't think there'll be a championship this year, but certainly it's something that you certainly... It's around the corner. It's going to happen. Yeah. I really yeah. feel like in Luca's era that it will happen. All right, Harp. Thanks, man. Right. Blessings to you, brother. Thank you.